0: And welcome back to the Big Wake Up Call. I'm Ryan Gatenby and time for my next guest who directed perhaps definitely the top two. And I go back and forth, Beatles on Ed Sullivan or this one, the Elvis 68 Comeback Special. And there is a brand new book, Elvis 68 Comeback, the story behind the special. And I am joined by Steve Bender. Steve, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: My pleasure, Ryan. Thanks for the invitation.
0: I have to tell you, I I feel like this is an astonishing book, what we have here with the photos, the rundown sheets. I, I collect pretty much every rock and roll book that comes out, and this is one of the best I've ever seen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Now did you have most of this in in your archives is this something you kept or or what was the effort to go through to to put together these photographs
1: Well it's it's ironic that uh the photographs were actually uh shot by an NBC staff photographer and he was the only one that was even allowed to take pictures Oh well wow. uh, uh while we filmed. I actually uh uh was part of a company with a very successful uh rock and roll record producer named Bones Howe and in our company we had a staff photographer named George Rodriguez. Uh I asked George to come down and photograph uh when we were at Western Recorders doing some of the uh Uh, the soundtrack uh, that Elvis would sing live to. And uh, the minute the colonel saw him shooting off a picture, (laughs) he said, uh, you know, either he leaves or Elvis leaves. I have no choice but uh, dismiss him. But we did get a couple of his photos, uh, which are in the book as well, uh, that are there, and that's at uh, Western Recorder's.
0: Reading some of the stories and, uh, there's, there's a memo here to Colonel Parker, just, uh, trying to get through to him. I'm seeing him in like a, a broom closet of a dressing room. How much of a challenge in producing this special was, did you have to go through the Colonel to get to Elvis?
1: Well, there's, there's a real irony to this whole thing, Ryan. Uh, when I was first, uh, approached by NBC and uh, who turned out uh, to be a great executive producer, Bob Finkel. Uh, I had just finished shooting a uh, special with Petula Clark and Harry Belafonte, and that was the first time in prime time that uh, in a variety special, a, a white person and a black person touched each other. <laughs> Petula reached over a very, a very emotional part of an anti-war song that she wrote called Both uh, Paths of Glory. And uh, she reached out and touched Harry's forearm, and it was like an explosion in the client's booth where the sponsor representative, uh, acting on his own, uh, proved to be very racist and insisted that uh, we... Uh, not show uh, the touch, uh, so I uh, I shot it originally like film uh, with no audience. So I did multiple takes, and I went down to the editing room with Petula's husband, and I ordered the editor to erase all the other masters where they didn't touch each other. Oh, nice! So the only choice that we had at the very end was to is to play the touch. And that was a shot heard around the world. It was picked up by Time Magazine and Newsweek magazines. And uh, as a result, uh, Bob Finkel, who was my executive producer on Elvis, had seen the special and had the idea that I'd make a a good uh, combination with Elvis since we were around the same age. Uh, I was not just in television, but I was in the music business as well. Uh, My company with Bones was producing exclusively all the hit records for The Fifth Dimension and the association. Uh, Bones was in the studio at the time with Laura Nero making a record called Save the Country. And uh, so it turned out uh, where uh, in the very beginning I had little or no interest even even to do a special with Elvis. And uh, especially when I heard that the colonel Uh, had made a deal with NBC uh, to finance uh, his next movie because all the movie studios balked at paying this million-dollar fee that he was insisting on uh, to to deliver Elvis. And uh, as a result, uh, NBC said, we'll put up the money for your movie, Colonel, but uh, you have to deliver Elvis doing a one-hour Christmas special. So... uh, When I was approached, uh, the Colonel uh, was already on his way to making Elvis into another Andy Williams or Perry Como, and I didn't want any part of that. Uh, I went out and met the Colonel. He gifted me with a membership in his infamous Snowman's Club, (laughs) and uh, he gave me a quarter-inch audio tape of 20 Christmas songs uh, there was no talking in it. It was just Elvis singing Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, uh, I I already knew I wasn't going to do it. And I was driving back to my office. I, I got to my office. My secretary said, there's an urgent call from Bob Finkel at NBC. And so I called Bob back and Bob said, look, Steve, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what you did to charm the colonel, but he loves you. <laughs> And uh, he's approving you uh, to meet Elvis for the first time ever. And sure enough, the next day, Elvis at 4 in the afternoon or 4.30, uh, came to my office with a few of his entourage, and uh, we met for the first time. And, uh, you know, uh, first of all, when he walked in my office, I was in awe of the charismatic look and personality that he had. I mean, it was instant. And Elvis took a look at our walls with all the gold records from all the hits we had uh, in the music business, and he and he told me later it made him feel very comfortable uh, that he wasn't just dealing with television guys. And uh, so we went back to my office alone, and uh, we had this first uh, one-on-one conversation, and because. He, I, I had seen him uh, before I was even in the business on the Ed Sullivan show and I thought he was terrific, but you know, I felt he born in the deep South in Tupelo, Mississippi and, and uh, settling in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. I thought maybe the guy's a redneck, which would be completely the opposite of my beliefs and personality and uh, turned out just the opposite. We had even though we were, 2,000 miles uh, geographically separated from each other. I was a California West Coast kid. Uh, we had so much in common right off the bat, and it never changed from beginning to end. Uh, I only saw and worked with Elvis, uh, with my team, uh, you know, for a period of possibly, I don't know, five or six months maximum, and never saw him again. And, uh, it was, you know, the, the experience of a lifetime that, uh, you know, we had. Uh, we're not only doing this very unique television special that, the, you know, what really is interesting is that I was never confronted by NBC or Colonel Parker of why aren't I doing a Christmas special? They never brought it up. It all centered around, uh, you know, the Colonel uh insisting that I at least have one Christmas song in the special, because when I actually completed the entire show, uh, I had not scheduled any Christmas songs. And uh, thank God that that uh, Elvis, when he did the acoustic uh, improv segment, he on his own decided to sing Blue Christmas. That saved the special because the colonel at the same time was threatening NBC That unless I had a Christmas song in the special, he wasn't going to allow it to even get on the air at NBC. Uh, I don't think he could have uh, uh, enforced that. I don't think he had the power to do that uh, if it came down to it. But, uh, you know, NBC was pretty shook up and called me into a special meeting with the Colonel uh, insisting that I put a Christmas special or a Christmas song into the special, uh, which Uh, as I said, thank goodness, uh, you know, Elvis sang Blue Christmas, and that kind of saved it. I took out one of the songs I had originally uh, scheduled and put Blue Christmas in in its place.
0: Hearing one of the things, um, and go back to a couple things you said there, yeah, the Christmas special, and and Andy Williams or Perry Como, I I, I think you do the Christmas special, and Elvis kind of goes down the the, the Dean Martin route, and not that Dean wasn't incredible and awesome but it's hard for me to picture like you know elvis participating in celebrity roasts
1: yeah it it uh you know i uh actually was a good friend of dean martin and we worked together on a few projects
0: yeah and
1: uh yeah. i liked him so much but uh you know i think in terms of sense of humor uh he and elvis had a lot in common oh, okay and uh you know it uh uh i know he liked dean at least he told me he did and uh we were using basically the uh, dean martin dressing room next to uh the stage where we worked oh wow uh and converted it into elvis's uh uh bedroom we put a bed in there so he could uh, stay at nbc uh you know and not have to uh travel every day out to his rented home Priscilla uh, was, had just had Lisa Marie. She was only two months old when we started the special. And, uh, you know, that was a stroke of luck because I would have never, ever seen or came up with the idea to photograph the improv acoustic segment. Uh, he would finish rehearsal on stage, go to his dressing room and now his bedroom And uh, he was bored and he had nothing to do. So he picked up his guitar and whoever happened to be hanging out near the stage uh, would hear the music, go inside. And pretty soon we had a little group in there and uh, they were playing the old songs and and reminiscing about uh, being on the road in the old days. And I said, this is better than all the big production numbers with the singers and dancers and costumes and sets. I've got to get this uh on on tape and the colonel uh wouldn't allow me into the dressing room with a with a camera and uh it was a stroke of of i don't know luck i guess when the colonel approached me one day i guess i'd been bugging him every single day about photographing this and he said uh you know i won't promise you you can use any of it in the final product but i'll let you recreate it on stage if you want to if you're so passionate about it. And that's exactly what I did. I don't think he ever thought I was going to actually do it uh, because he tried to sabotage it from the very first uh, day I started filming it. And uh, you know, that was a big problem in itself where, uh, you know, but the Colonel never mentioned to me uh, what happened to my Christmas special uh, ever. I mean, he he was only focused on getting a Christmas song in the show, and uh, and then the final song in the in the special, uh, he was insisting it be a Christmas song or a 1950s Frankie Lane song, uh, which was called I think I believe, which was a hit record in in those days before rock and roll, and I didn't know why he wanted that song in; it had no reference to Christmas at all. Uh, and that's when, uh, the whole, if I can dream story, uh, you know, happened, uh, and Earl Brown and, and, uh, Billy Goldenberg, uh, called me and said, you know, we have the song for you that I think you'll really like. And when they came out to play it for me alone, uh, I knew after four bars of music that that was the hit and, uh. The colonel was, in the meantime, saying over his dead body, would I ever get that uh, (laughs) song sung by Elvis in the special? And when Elvis heard the colonel saying, uh, you know, that it's never going to see the light of day in the special, he turned to me after Billy and Earl had played the song for him maybe four or five different times. uh, He said, I'll do it. And the minute that he said, I'll do it, in rushes into uh, uh, Elvis's, uh, you know, uh, dressing room, bedroom. And he has a, a, a typed contract with uh, Billy Goldenberg and Earl Brown's names on it to sign to give away their rights uh, to any of the publishing uh, that they had written, which was uh, you know, normal for the Colonel to, uh, basically rip off all songwriters, uh, who, who were lucky enough to get Elvis to sing one of their songs. Uh, but, uh, Billy unbelievably, uh, said at the time, uh, you know, I had nothing to do with this. Earl wrote the words and the music and, uh, you know, he took a a pencil with an eraser on it, and he erased his name off of the lead sheet, which probably cost him, you know, at least six figures in in, uh, what he would have been paid. Uh, But the integrity of my staff was second to none. I mean, these guys were incredible. And uh, they all became very successful after the Elvis special, and uh, I wasn't able to keep them together. Uh, Alan Bly, my my, uh, head writer, and Chris Beard, Uh, who wrote the special, Uh, you know, they went on to do the Andy Williams uh, series and then Sonny and Cher series, and they worked with the Smothers Brothers and, uh, you know, became super successful. And uh, unfortunately, Chris passed away a few years ago, but Alan is still around and we talk to each other all the time.
0: I just wonder, just the, the insistence on the Christmas song. Do they feel like the American public would not accept that after Elvis, you know, j- just killing it for an hour that, oh, we have to insert this Christmas song?
1: Well, I I felt, you know, Elvis had to make some kind of a statement because what we learned over the period of time working with him, and I, when I say we, I mean my entire family, my staff, uh, that, you know, even though, uh, you know, we, we were from different parts of the country, uh, we were, we had so much in common. I mean, uh, you know, that, that Elvis special was sort of a uh, United Nations, uh, you know, staffed with, with all, you know, religions, colors, uh, you know, countries, and et cetera. We had a black choreographer and a Puerto Rican choreographer with their own dance companies. Uh, You know, and uh, it it was, uh, you know, we happened to be in my offices when uh, Bobby Kennedy was shot by Sirhan Sirhan at at, uh, Ambassador Hotel. And that led to a, a personal discussion for the rest of the entire evening. I think... I think the, uh, uh, it was nighttime when we saw it, and I think it was daylight when we finished talking about what's going on in our country with all the, uh, you know, the assassinations of John Kennedy and Martin Luther King and then uh, now Bobby and etc. And we, we sort of forgot about it. We were doing a special and just focused on, on uh, talking about the country and how we need to heal and so forth. And, uh, I, I found Elvis, uh, really street smart. I mean, you know, he may not have gone to college, but he certainly was, was well-read up to date, uh, and shared a lot in common with all of us. And everybody reported in that they had their moment of one-on-one with Elvis and all liked him and all, uh, felt, you know, he wasn't a redneck, he wasn't a racist. And, uh, You know, he, he had strong feelings about, uh, treating everybody equally and so forth and so on. And, uh, I found it myself. I mean, I, I remember, uh, Elvis, uh, asked Billy Goldenberg, who was a wonderful pianist, uh, to teach him a, uh, a classical song. And so they were sitting at the piano. Uh, and I'm trying to think of the song that Billy started playing for Elvis, and Elvis loved it until one of his entourage passed by the door. The minute he saw him, he had Billy stop playing it because he didn't, I, I, I think he felt, they felt it was a sign of weakness hmm. if you liked classical music or, or a different type of music other than rock and roll, you know, and, uh, but Elvis had a good uh feel for all types of music and i i think you know he loved uh black gospel. that was his thing he would go to black churches as often as possible but i uh you know it was a tough show to 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 produce and direct but it was a fun show to do and uh you know because elvis uh, was so much into it i think instinctively he knew this is the make or break it Uh, And I think our documentary, uh, you know, really uh, tells the story uh, in a truthful way, because even though there have been, you know, hundreds of books written on the 68th special, uh, there were a lot of movie of the weeks done like with producers like Dick Clark and so forth. Yeah. And uh, even even Baz Luhrmann's feature film, They took a lot of literary license and made up scenes. And I, uh, when I was approached by, uh, you know, my partner at the time, uh, my book partner Spencer Proffer, and and John Scheinfeld, the uh, documentary filmmaker, I said I didn't want to just do another, you know, untruthful special. If we were going to do this, it had to be truthful. I was there from the very minute it began to the very last day. I said goodbye to Elvis and never saw him or talked to him again. And, uh, and they lived up to their promise. And I think we executed exactly that. And the response so far, since it's been airing, uh, on Paramount plus and in theaters all over the world, has just been second to none. I mean, I don't think I've ever had a show that they got so much, uh, press and, and, uh, you know, accolades and so forth. And I have to thank Spencer and John uh, for really delivering what they promised me they would. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it was even the people they chose to be in the documentary, uh, you know, were great because, you know, in most cases they were people who were there uh, first person and if not were certainly personally influenced by Elvis in their own careers. And uh, you know, there wasn't anybody on there. I remember I do a, a lot of uh, Diana Ross specials, including Central Park, where we had this huge rainstorm and so forth. Uh, but you know, generally speaking, uh, you know, when when uh, they get reviewed, uh, people kind of uh, you know, uh, aside from their personal opinions. Uh, you know, they don't read between the lines in many cases and get into the depth of what we were trying to, to say. And I think the, the, the Elvis documentary, the book, uh, really tells the story truthfully of what really happened behind the scenes, and I, I'm very proud of it.
0: And the book is Elvis 68 comeback, the story behind the special. This is a must have. If you're an Elvis fan, I'd say if you're a rock and roll fan, this belongs in your library. It is now available wherever books are sold. We've been chatting with uh, Steve Bender. Steve, thank you so much for sharing so many Elvis stories and uh, really appreciate you joining me today.
1: I appreciate the uh, call Ryan. And it was a pleasure talking to you. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I think if you have any interest in, in Elvis uh, and his journey, uh, you know, you'll you learn a lot of new information by uh, watching the documentary and, and reading the book. So I appreciate it very much.